grew up in New York City in Manhattan, and I've lived in Brooklyn for nine years. You know, this summer in particular, actually, I've been going on a lot of food adventures uh, with my wife. And we've spent a lot of like nice outdoor kind of walking around and exploring neighborhoods. And we went out to Brighton Beach and had like amazing Georgian food and just spent the day kind of on the boardwalk in the beach. And it was like a real glimpse of what I consider to be like old New York or real, like the New York I grew up in. Uh, just like people of all ages and all walks of life, like hanging out at the beach, dancing on the boardwalk, like having a good time. Um, and that's like, that's like Brooklyn and New York in summertime to me. How did you spend your summer vacation? We spent ours in a park in Crown Heights. Between Washington Ralph and Atlantic Avenues and going as far south as Empire Boulevard, you'll find the former home of the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Weeksville Heritage Center, Medgar Evers College, a synagogue, a church, some of the best West Indian food outside of the Caribbean, a pool, a library, a school, and a Starbucks. This is Crown Heights. And depending on who you are and where you're from, those two words may conjure other images an early 90s race riot, a movie poster, tree-lined streets of landmark architecture, a Shirley Chisholm for President Penn. It's hard to talk about Crown Heights without talking about how it's changed in recent years. Rising rents, shifting demographics, and new businesses built on top of old wounds. But reducing a neighborhood to its own displacement erases the people who've lived there all along, who have built it up, and who often still call it home. We celebrated the end of summer by walking around Crown Heights and talking to people. We met two female entrepreneurs with very different business models. We followed a group of skaters around in a circle, down a ramp, and into their past. And along the way, we met a handful of people who were spending the final days of summer hanging out in Brower Park, Brooklyn, USA. Yeah, that's probably just my biggest memory about summer in Brooklyn, is just being with my grandmother. I'll be outside as soon as I get up, 8 o'clock in the morning, until the sun goes down. The park is fine, you know, but my favorite part of summer is getting out of town. I remember one day we did, like, they used to do double dutch um, things in the park. I never jumped double dutch because I don't know how. <laughs> Before I would come in the park, because my grandmother and my godmother live across the street from each other, I'd be on one stoop, and she'll be yelling at me from the window. So it's probably, like, most of the summer memories for real. But as people got older, people changed. Like, they started getting into different things. So it's not more so the neighborhood that changed, it's the people in the neighborhood that changed. And how? Here's Otis. In July of 2017, a new restaurant opened up on the corner of St. Mark's and Nostrand Avenue, also known as James E. Davis Avenue. The restaurant's name is Summerhill. Outside, the facade is blue and white with big open windows so folks can sit and have a drink while they look onto the street. It's marketed as an open-air, boozy, surf club kind of joint. The owner of this restaurant is named Becca Brennan. I'm from Toronto, and I own a restaurant, Summerhill. While Becca's originally from Canada, she's been living in Crown Heights for about two years now. She has a background in law and event planning, but recently she pivoted her life to go into the food business. While I'm talking with Becca at the bar, she gets distracted by something on her phone. And she shows it to me. Oh, gosh. Yep, you stink, you stupid little racist bitch. That's the emails I get. Five weeks after Becca opened, she sent out a press release to different publications advertising Summerhill. In it, she says that Summerhill is Crown Heights' most Instagrammable hangout with a boardwalk vibe and a killer cross breeze. It advertises their summery cocktails and then alludes to the rumored backroom gun shop that was part of the bodega that used to occupy the space. It talks about the interior of the restaurant and in parentheses says, yes, 
that bullet hole ridden wall was originally there and yes, we're keeping it. The wall is was here when I got here and it has um, holes that are obviously anchor holes and it looks cool, it looks great. It looks like art. While the holes in the wall are damaged from the last tenants in the space, they really could pass as bullet holes. She started Instagramming photos of cocktails in front of the wall and also began advertising rosé in 40 ounce bottles. A writer from the website Gothamist went to Summerhill, interviewed Becca and wrote an article that went viral. Within the next week, the internet and the community responded. News of Summerhill went international, with many people saying that Becca was a distilled example of a white gentrifier trying to capitalize off of negative black stereotypes by exploiting the neighborhood's history of violence and poverty. During the first gathering, she did not come out to speak to the protesters, but afterward, she did issue an apology on the internet. I mean, you don't want to offend anyone, and you're, uh, I'm a human being, so if I offend someone, you apologize, right? Like you. You honestly don't want them to think that it was on purpose or to be mean. Um, so I apologize. You know, that's what you do as a human being. You apologize if you were offended and you move on with your lives. I'm not, I'm not apologizing for the wall. I'm apologizing if anyone thought that I would ever try to capitalize on violence or I'm sorry if anyone actually believed that those were bullet holes. You know, that's what I was sorry about, that my sarcasm didn't translate into print. In the apology, she didn't say that she was going to modify or plaster over the wall. She said she was keeping it to preserve the history and the architecture of the building. But she did get rid of the 40-ounce bottles of rosé. Um, so, I, I think the bottles are really cute. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with race. It has to do with, it has to do with something, but it's not race. The neighborhood saw this apology as insincere and berated her for not taking down the wall after they made it clear how they felt about it. So a second protest was organized just a few weeks later. Um, I think that's the first time I heard the bye bye Becky thing. Bye bye Becky. Bye bye Becky. Um, so they start chanting. During the protest, Becca sat at a table outside in front of the crowd, clashing with protesters and doing a crossword puzzle, which she says she does every Sunday. There is a handful of people in the community that have come to Becca's defense. So I go there. I, I go to the establishment. I was there. I ate last night. I go there all the time. I invite my friends, and she's a great lady. I think she uh, does help the black people in the community because she has black workers, black bartenders. She has, uh, she helps the kids, black kids with their homework. That's what I have seen with this lady. But I don't know why she's so uh, adamant to make that change on the wall. I, I, I just can't see. Community representatives and local civil rights groups got together to plan an emergency town hall meeting. Their goal is to invite Becca and the community to exchange ideas in a civil setting. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen. Please take your time. We got 90 seconds. Take your time and express yourself. It can be emotional. 
Jeffrey Davis is a district representative here, and he is the brother of former councilman and NYPD officer James E. Davis, who the street is named after. Jeffrey is a longtime activist and has tirelessly fought to end gun violence in memory of his brother, who was shot and killed at New York City Hall in 2003. Jeffrey was the one mediating the town hall. One at a time, try to remain calm, express yourself, for those who support Summerhill, for those who don't support Summerhill, and why. The next hour and a half was filled with passionate testimonies, with Becca speaking very little. But I remember when I was afraid to come to Nostrand okay. Avenue, when my mother would send me to the store, and I will not lie to you, I ran from Park Place in Kingston all the way back. This neighborhood has a really hard history, but people are working on it. And Crown Heights doesn't need someone to bring that up, especially when you're not even from New York. There was no malice. There was, there was, and there was offense taken, and I immediately apologized that offense was taken. It wasn't enough. You moved the goalposts. So I'm sorry I have a sense of humor. At the end, Jeffrey Davis is making his closing remarks and talking about how the community can come to a resolution. At this point, Becca gets up and she leaves before he's finished. I talked with Davis afterward and he said the town hall was a success. We gave her an opportunity to express herself. And I listened and I heard. And, I thank, and I'm thankful that she did come. So that was great on her part to, to listen. And I'm going to sleep on it. I'll call another meeting, not with the business owner, and we'll talk about it amongst ourselves on what direction to proceed. You don't want to invite her to that? No, there's no need to. She expressed herself. If you don't partnership with the community, with us, then we won't patronize your establishment. And then the word will spread because we're a tight-knit community. And once the word spreads that we're not going to patronize there, it's just a matter of time before your doors close. And just down the road on James E. Davis Avenue, Becca sees a bright future for Summerhill. I'm optimistic. We're just having a great time. Jokes on all of you, this is bringing me closer to people because people come in and we learn each other's sides and thoughts and histories and done more good in terms of just my relationship with my, a lot of my neighbors and harm. As of today, the world is watching. 
The fate of Summerhill remains uncertain, and Crown Heights continues to change. On James E. Davis Avenue, the community is united, preparing for whatever comes next. Thank you so much, Father God. Thank you for every member of our community that is here. We all come from different places, but we are one community, one Crown Heights, Father God. We just ask that you allow us to remain unified. Don't let race divide this community, Father God. Don't let anyone come into our community that seeks to destroy us. Amen. Father God, we will always turn to you. We will always say thank you. In Jesus' That story was produced by Otis Gray, who makes The Hungry Podcast. Not all young women slinging drinks in Crown Heights are charging New Brooklyn prices for cocktail couture. There's at least one riding around on a bike, selling freshly made juices to beat the summer heat. Here's Hazel. I prefer... Black tops. I don't like the typical orange top. That is the typical nutcracker color, and I think they look so tacky. If you're not selling a, a, a peanut punch, then get rid of the orange top. Okay. <laughs> I like telling jokes to you guys. As a kid, it was something about me that always thought that I was going to live like a boss. I don't know what it was. The teachers used to say I thought I was a prima donna. So it's like I always was a queen. Hi everyone, this is Queen Hazel Brown Eyes. Instagram and Facebook, Hazel Brown. I'm 29 years old and I live in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, so this, I mainly go around Crown Heights and bed -Stuy. All sorts of people buying my nutcrackers. I go up Franklin Avenue and they love my jello shots. They know my name. Me growing up, I grew up in Bushwick too, not just Crown Heights and Bed-Stuy. I went back and forth from my mom, my dad, and my grandmom, so that's how I grew up, going place to place. That's why I'm so easily going from area to area. I know all these areas. Brooklyn Crown Heights, it was Jay-Z and Biggie all the way. Maya, Aaliyah, Mary J. Blige, like Brooklyn loved these, these names, I'm telling you right now. We even love a little bit of Cisco, thong, thong, thong. Like we love all the hip hop, it's just a part of us. Let me finish cleaning out this measuring cup. This is the usual routine. I'm gonna be dipping this measuring cup into the container. And I use a glove on my left hand for the bottle. The nutcrackers, <laughs> it actually started from me criticizing someone else's nutcracker, and I didn't even know the person. <laughs> I'm very picky. I've been picky growing up. Very picky in food and everything. You couldn't even get me to eat a whole piece of chicken. So I'm picky, and I think that's why I'm so good with picking out good flavors. Gotta get all of these flavors mixed in together. Sometimes I use about three different juices in one. These are my nutty flavors. I have like green apple, I have a blue passion fruit, I have a blue mango, and you can get a red passion and a red mango also. I always was the one to go buy two juices and mix them for my drinks. And that was just me on a regular day, like years before this. And then when I decided to start making drinks, I decided to use one of my favorite flavors. My signature flavor is the pineapple peach mango. I started with them and they loved it and I made more and more. Every time I come in, they're like, hooray, hooray, they're going crazy. So I just kept coming in with more and more. And then one day I just, I don't know, just one day I just went outside with them. 
to the point where I walk out my door and somebody pull over and be like, hey, you got any drinks on you? And I'm like, yeah. Nutty Flavor, today is the day to get the drink that you love, the drink that you always get. I got them for five and 10. All of the big ones are 10 and I got like two left for five left. But I'll be back out later. You can take my number, I deliver. Just me and my bike. At the whole, the whole time, the whole system, there's no one that helps with twist the bottles. There's no one that pour bottles and juice for me. The thing with this, you like to sip so slow because it tastes so good. Okay. Shake it up. Okay. You know, the guys that grew up with me always like, hey, give us all of the drinks, you know, and like for free and everything. And I'm like, hey guys, you gotta pay me some money. <laughs> but even those guys that play around, they always rooting me on. When they see me out pushing a lot of weight and I'm sweating, they're like, you know, guys. You're gonna do get it. a free test from me right now. You get to taste the one of my flavors. I want to put them in the stores. It's a non-alcoholic drink. They would tell a friend that they know, and then now I will see their friend and don't see them, and they say, oh, I know you, and da da da. Do you remember the first time you had one of my nutcrackers? First time I had one of your nutcrackers. Mm -hmm. I remember you riding your bike asking if we wanted a nutcracker and it was the most amazing thing because I've never seen anyone deliver nutcrackers yeah. before. Yes, definitely be doing your thing out here, always on your grind. Thank you. Always working with me, I always appreciate your work. Thank you. Yeah. It tastes like summertime. Yes. I get to see everybody that I didn't see all winter. Before it was just the heat and the beach, but now it's different. <sighs> I kind of get emotional because People really showed me a lot of love, so I love it. Hi, guys. I was daydreaming for a second. Hey. Hi, baby. What's going down? You already know. Your block is the best block. How you doing? Good. Good Be out with the drinks. Yeah, work. I told you I'm on baby duties. She normally uh, flies through the block every once in a while, and we uh, stop her right here. Because then usually you don't just try everybody's nutcracker because you don't know what they mix it with. That's but apparently, she got the good stuff. <laughs> but, you know, the weather's going to be changing, and this is when it slows up. I'm going to go back to getting my job working and Sounds back good. to regular work. This is really a seasonal thing where you got ice cold drinks out, have fun, and I get to see all my friends as I go around, too. I do actually temp work, secretary work. I worked in law firms. I worked security. I worked every library from West Forth to 200 Indictment, Science Industry and Business Library, Midtown, Central Library, Schomburg Library. I'm Hazel, Queen Hazel Brown Eyes on Instagram. They call me Hazelnut. Hazelnut. I'm Queen Hazel Brown Eyes on Instagram. Hazelnut is the name of my drink. Five years from now, I see myself still building my whole system with everything that I really want to do. And 10 years from now, I, I think I'm going to be watching it grow, like just just watching it go on its own. What more can I ask for? I love bike riding. This can't be the end of this. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> That story was produced by Sriyanka Ray and edited by Emily Bogosian. Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E. Okuna selling water, selling juices, selling peanut punch, sorrel, morbi, all those stuff. Selling this since a little boy, about 11 years old. I'm old. I'm older than 56 right now. So.
You know what I mean? I'm selling this a while now, since I'm back in Trinidad. I started selling this in 94. It used to be 25 cents, 50 cents when I was selling this. Now it's a dollar. Now it's a dollar for the smallest one. The same one you would, you, you would sell for 25 and 50 cents. You're selling it for a dollar now, believe me. I used to pay like three dollars. What do you need? Napkin. I used to pay three dollars for this syrup. Now it's like almost 12 dollars, 11 and change. So everything going up, you know what I mean? So you gotta raise your price if everything going up. Ice going up. Everything going up. Ice, I used to pay. $8 for 100 now it's $24 for 100 pounds of ice right now. I'm doing it for my, for my little boy, like I say, 11 years old. I used to be doing it in the Oval with 20,000 people or more. And I used to be selling this. And when I go home, my mother asks me, where you get all this money? Because when I go home, I give my mother $50. Boy, where you get that little boy, 11, 12 years? Come on. Yeah. You going in the house with 50 and get your mommy, you get a little mommy hold 50. I used to take my mom to the Oval and show her where I get the money. Then when I take her to the Oval, it used to be nice. Everything just lovely in the Oval when I go. All that happened in Trinidad. And when I came here, in 1987 I came here, and I didn't start this. I, I, I do body work, you know what I mean? I does body work, car, work on cars. In 1994, my mom passed, so I told myself, man, let me get to something where I could keep money in my pocket, and this is where I jump back on. Brooklyn is the place to be at. If I had money, I would definitely go, I'm sorry, you're not going to hate on Brooklyn. I would go to South Beach, Miami, and lay out oh, and get drinks and have a tan. I would, I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I, if I had the money, I would just be like, yeah, on vacay, like, hey. You yeah. know, I would. I don't even think um, Bloomberg could do that. Who's me or not? Two for a minute. Yeah. The Blasio. Blasio. Tell Blasio, listen. <laughs> well said, I'm going to live in Kingston Park and the body whole park and do for the kids. Do for the kids in this I, park? You know, I just want to live in the park. I got to buy the park. Can you sell it to you? I think he would. Absolutely. He can sell it to me. I can because. I'm Look, sorry. It's for the kids are playing basketball, the kids playing in water spring, and the kids running around with the threes, you know? It's the bird. I just want to hear some birds flying around. You see the birds then? That's what I'm going to buy the park for. <laughs> but there's more to do in the park than just play basketball and run through the sprinklers. Sometimes kids find passion where they're least expected to. Here are the boys of Brower Park. Ah! That was sick! You gotta get it's that like that one moment when you're going up the roller coaster and it's ticking and you're about to hit the climax and just rush down. And, you know, it's just like... It's exciting, it's exhilarating. I'm Turtle. You can call me Turtle. Everyone calls me Turtle. Brow Park does have a legendary crew. Most people that show up at the park are the locals, but there's all sorts of people dropping into Brow Park. Yo, what's up, Paul? What's good with it, T? Chilling. With Turtle. It's the homie Paul, part of the Brow crew. Always Brow. Where we are. We have a special guest appearance. We got book boys in the in the house, in the yes, park right now. Yes, in the flesh. Triple A, um, Aaron, we call him Triple A out here. Bro, I remember everything. I remember how many twigs it used to be on this ground. These guys have been here from very, very far back, you know, before a lot of these people that just moved in came here, and they've been holding it down. We used to call ourselves B.O.B. back in the day. Boys on blades, bikes, boards. And skateboarding was just like the last thing that, that came about, and it stuck. 
always repping Broward because that's our, our little, like we used to be snot noses running around here, you know, my era, my generation. It's like, we kind of like got iconic characters in the park. We're all like kind of like superheroes in a certain way. There's this thing in the skateboarding community, when you get a new skateboard, you drop off your old skateboard so that anyone that finds it can take it and keep it. And basically that's how, you know, you kind of give back to the community. So here we go. This is my old board and I'm just gonna leave it right here. Free skateboard. <laughs> Somebody's gonna be happy. Shredding, shredding. Aaron, Aaron. Shred, gang. Little dog, his name is Bullet. Yeah, you know that we gonna do it. My older brother used to push me. He would tell me to like put my board on like curves. You know, like I was about eighth grade or so and nobody ever really heard of skateboarding or, or in my neighborhood. It was always labeled as like a white boy thing to do. Now I'm grinding, I'm grinding, grinding. <laughs> and I think I was out with like one of my, my friend's moms at the time and we seen somebody like skating by and they just had this, this freedom of just coolness. I think I was 14, you was 13? Or was I 13, you was 12? Yeah, I was 13, you was 12. And I always thought to myself, I was like, wow, if I could get to, from point A to B, just looking like the shit, just skating and never looking back, that whole idea of just traveling made me fall in love with the idea of skateboarding um, way before I even seen it get popular. I love going fast, turning, pushing, stopping, grabbing onto the backs of cars. I feel the most comfortable when I'm moving in motion, top speeds. You know, I'm a skateboarder. This dude book right here, he'll flip over the ledge one day. I threw my hat. I didn't even have a hat on. I mean, pre-Broward pre, pre Park days, they used to have um, a whole bunch of like jungle gyms and kind of things, but they were kind of getting broken down. They were like shredding and falling apart. But my grandmother now, she took over the block association. So from that point, we had a manual pad. Um, we had a, like a little quarter pipe and a, and a rail put in there. And when those pieces came, I swear like the whole neighborhood felt like we had a home. I remember mad shit. Like before this park was here, nobody, I could say that for a fact, nobody used to chill down here on these benches like this, mm -hmm. ever. The stop and frisk was still going on, all that. So nobody was really trying to chill on the benches. The cops were still stopping for weed and stuff. And now, like, you know, people come here ritualistically, you know, every day with their speakers or whatnot. Don't use that ramp. Use this ramp. And he's got it. On a rail shit? Yeah, look at maybe right here. Who, who knows what maybe would have been doing if this park is not here? Isaiah Johnson. This five years old. Yeah, I mean, we let him run around, do what they, do what they want, because it's like, Yo, he's really you could teach. Ollie, I'm about to help him. But it's only, you got to develop your own. Ollie. And he is. I did that already. You know, every day I'm really watching yeah. him get a little more comfortable on the board, and it's he's nice. Got that. That's the Isaiah push. Isaiah, Isaiah kick. <laughs> yeah. No, I just named that trick after you, bro. Yeah, that's the Isaiah push. Yeah, can I do my ODB rhyme? I remember growing up as a kid and skating around, and people would just say, like, hey, like, what are you doing on a skateboard? Like, you should be playing basketball. And it's just like, Wow. You knew what they were thinking when you came around the skateboard at that time. All they saw was Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk, win the X Games. Uh, uh, I wouldn't blame you, like, if that's all you knew, because that's all I knew before that. I started to find out, like, there's black people that skate, but it's just not. 
you know, televised or like put out there like that. Now it is, you got a shot where to God, you know? That's the best skateboarder on the planet right now. People just believe that skateboarding is for white people. But anyone can learn how to skate. And I can tell you that. I know for a fact skateboarders don't even care about race like at all. We do not. We see a skateboard, we fuck with you. That's it. Um, we're about to dip right now. Yo, squad, let's go. Yo, Musa, you wanna come show on my backyard for a little bit? We all met as friends. It's like, oh, you have a skateboard, I have a skateboard. And that kind of brought us together. It was just real fun, you know, summertime vibes. Just living life, shredding. I'm back to Gonna look sick. Well, I'm not here every day. You know, some I'm uh, come here maybe two or three times a week. You know, I don't know about these guys, you know, but I come here and sit a couple of days a week. But when I come here, sometimes I don't even want to see them. You know what I'm saying? Cause they're funny. They're funny. They're funny. Okay. <laughs> Cause I get a laugh. They say something stupid and I laugh. <laughs> we was talking about food just now. We just had a big conversation. We all laugh. I've been in a lot of other parlors, man, but this this is where I like to be. So I have I was practically raised on Lexington between Reed and Stuyvesant. They had an ice house in the middle of the block. Yeah. You know, right? And they had an ice box in my house. I had to go spend Fifty cent for a piece of ice. That was in. I was. I'm, it must have been in the in the fifties when I used to go to the ice house with my family. No, we had an ice house down the street. Cold water flats. We didn't have. You know what we had? Cold stove. Yeah, I played baseball one day and the guy, and the guy hit me in my head. Oh, I must have been like 12, 13 years old. I guess maybe he didn't like me or whatever it was, and he just threw the ball and hit me. I tried to get out the way of it, but I couldn't. <laughs> so, I'm not crazy neither, man. <laughs> see, see how they are? <laughs> they said, that's the reason why I'm crazy, because I got hit and I got hit in the head. See what I'm saying? What I have to deal with when I come in and sit with them, see the laugh? They call me crazy. But I'm not crazy. I got all my. But then, yeah, I got all my faculties and all the time. I don't snap cracking the pop. I come out here and sit up, bring your food, and lay out here in the grass, man, and eat. Uh, I'll probably have some seafood. Shrimp, clams, you know, stuff like that. Lobster, some beer. Uh, I'll probably have me some Hannigan or some Corona. You know what I'm saying? And if I, could, if I could bring a bottle of wine, I'd bring it too. Somebody else might want some wine. <laughs> and well, they would say, why well, I wouldn't go give them some. So I'd have to give it to them. You know, I'd have to treat them all right. They treat me all right. Brooklyn USA is produced and edited by me, Sasha Mathias, and Emily Bogosian. Thanks to Afi Yellowduke for walking us around the park today and introducing us to some of the coolest people in Crown Heights. Thanks to Srianka Ray for the nutcrackers, the blades, the bikes, and the boards. And thanks to Otis Gray and The Hungry Podcast for telling both sides of the Summerhill story. You can hear more of The Hungry Podcast by visiting www.hungryradio.org or by tweeting at Hungry Podcast. Thanks to Alana, Phyllis, Tisha, Ronnie, Regina, Jermaine, and Theodore for taking the time to talk to us. This episode featured music from the Blue Dot Sessions and the Cuniverse and DeWolf Music Libraries. 
If you like what you hear, think we got something wrong, or just want to get in touch, you can leave us a comment, tweet us at Brick Radio, or leave a message at 347-504-0801. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. Yo, shouts out to the team. Shouts out to the team. You know what I'm saying? You wish you could have got down with us, but it didn't happen, all right? So don't be mad at me. Be mad at the people that's negotiating your deals, okay? Yo, shit.